Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center, located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues on in the Bible series from the book of Isaiah with this message entitled, God's Revelation Concerning His People. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Now, here is our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Isaiah in Hebrew, Eshayahu, Eshayahu means Jehovah is salvation. Now Isaiah is the second most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament, 66 times. Isaiah is called the evangelical prophet. He gives the fullest and clearest exposition of the gospel in the entire Old Testament. He was born around 770 B.C. and according to tradition was sawn into two by Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah. The New Testament, the book of Hebrews Chapter 11, verse 37, there is a certain statement about believers in the Old Testament who suffered martyrdom. They were stoned, they were sowed in two, they were put to death by the sword, and so on. A possible reference to the martyrdom of Isaiah, probably in his late 80s or early 90s. And his prophetic career stretched from 740 B.C. to around 680 B.C. Toward the end of his life, it appears that he retired from public prophetic life into writing, especially the latter portion of Isaiah, chapter 40 through 66. It appears that he belonged to the aristocratic class and lived in Jerusalem. He had access to kings and high officials of the court. He and the prophet Micah, they were contemporaries, and prophesied to the people of Judah. His wife is called a prophetess, and possibly she did prophesy. His two sons are named in the, in the book as symbols of judgment and mercy. And the first son that is mentioned, his name is Shiar Jashub, means a remnant will return. In other words, this son was the symbol of the salvation of God's chosen few. The other son's name was Shiar no, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. Maher Shalal 
Hashbaz. You find that name in the 8th chapter of Isaiah. And he stands for the judgment of God upon God's people who lived in disobedience to him. The reign of Uzziah, the king, he is also known as Azariah, 791 to 740 BC, as I said, was a period of peace and great economic growth in Judah. Because the superpowers of the time, Assyria to the northeast and Egypt uh, to, the, to the south, they were weak and they were dormant. So for Judah, about 52 years, it was a period of greatest prosperity since the time of Solomon. And as I said last Sunday, this peace and economic prosperity produced not any spiritual health or covenant faithfulness. It didn't produce any revival in religion. Instead, it resulted in increased wickedness and a kind of worship that was mere externalism. God was out. Pleasure-seeking was in. They became covenant breakers. That's the situation you find uh, in the first chapter of uh, Isaiah. So we come to the first chapter. There uh, God is making a case against God's people. Now we read in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28... If you live in covenant obedience, there is going to be great blessing. And if you live in covenant disobedience, God's judgment will surely come. So here in chapter 1 of Isaiah, you are seeing the people of God living ungrateful life, disobedient life. And I have seen in my pastoral life. I met some of you who were 13 and 14 and 15. And, uh, and you grow up and you have some economic improvement. And uh, the statement in the book of Deuteronomy, Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. This is the condition that you find here. And this is the condition that you find all the time in the professing church. God shows mercy. God pours out his blessing. Windows of heaven opened and all kinds of blessing come and, and we become arrogant. Before you used to respect your father, now you don't. <laughs> Spiritual authorities are treated with contempt because God himself is despised though it was he who gave all these blessings. So the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Vision means it is God's revelation. It is not something the prophet made up. You see, the Bible is God's revelation. And the writers wrote down what God revealed to them. 
So, in other words, it's the word of God. Verbum Domini. Word of the Lord. And so I hope when you open the Bible, you will have that in mind. This is the word of the Lord. God is speaking in it. And God is speaking to me. God is instructing me. God is rebuking me. God is correcting me. And God is training me in righteousness. And so we come to the scriptures with profound respect for God. Through this vision, Isaiah wrote all of the prophecy, all 66 chapters, are the result of divine revelation. That Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So from 740 BC to about 686. So here is a case against God's people. This is not a case against the pagans. Case against church people. What is the case? Hear, O heavens, listen, O earth. For the Lord has spoken. Who is the Lord? Is the covenant Lord, creator of the ends of the earth. Transcendent God, you will find him in chapter 6. We preached last Sunday. Concerning whom the cherubim are crying out, uh, the seraphs are crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is filled with his glory. In fact, God is named here as the Holy One so many times, the Transcendent One. And this is his complaint. I reared children and brought them up. He's speaking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants. I reared the children and brought them up. These are covenant people. But they have rebelled against me. The word rebel or rebellion, pesha in Hebrew, that means a willful flouting of God's law. Willful resistance, willful hatred of God and his word. But they have rebelled against me. And verse 3 tells us they are worse than animals. The ox knows his master and so on. In other words, ox and donkeys, they have a certain trust and association with the master. But the people of God, the covenant children of God, hated God. And God himself is complaining. Israel does not know. No means does not have relationship. The word no has to do with relationship. Husband knows wife. It is a relationship word. In other words, these people have no relationship with me. They don't love me. They don't care for me. My people do not understand. There is no discerning. Oh, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned. Now comes that particular title, Holy One of Israel. 
and turn their backs on him. So Isaiah uses about five words to describe the evil of his people. First, of course, is rebellion, which is willful flouting of God's authority. Second is the word sin or sinful nation. The word sin, chata, and in, in the Greek, hamartia, means missing God's goal for us. God has a goal for you. And a sinner turns away from that goal. The third word is iniquity. We hear about that in the Bible. Iniquity. Awa in Hebrew. That means perversion. That they took something that is straight and they twisted it. See, homosexuality is perversion. You take sex and you pervert it. Then another word is evil. The word evil. Evil is that which is harmful to you. Evil. Then there is the word children given to corruption. The word corruption has to do with taking something that is wholesome, a piece of meat, and putrefy it so that it stings and becomes useless. So that's the condition that God is speaking about his people. So as a result of sin, look at Judah, verse 5, 5. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is sick. This is total depravity. Your whole head is sick. Your whole heart is afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores. Metaphorically describing moral depravity, radical depravity and perversion of his people. Not cleansed or bandaged, or soothed with oil. Well, that is one result of this sinful life. Then you notice in verse 7, your country is desolate, cities burned with fire. In other words, Isaiah is seeing the time when God's judgment will come, and all these things happened, of course. Verse 8, the daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut, in a field of melons, like a city under siege. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. In other words, Jerusalem is called, and Judah is called Sodom. Sodom calls for people who parade their sin and proud of it. We hear about gay parade. That is what Sodom. In other words, they are no way ashamed, but they are very proud of it. They come out of the closet and, uh, and out into the streets, and they are very excited about their sinful condition. They want all people to see it. Now, it's an amazing 
thing for Isaiah to call God's city and God's people uh, Sodom and Sodomites. And then he speaks about the nausea that God feels when he looks at the worship of people, all the sacrifices and everything. And God wants to throw up. And here it is, verse 11. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord. And he tells us uh, his feeling about, about all this worship. Verse 13, your incense, that is your prayer, is detestable to me. There is the nausea. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. New moon, Sabbaths, and convocation. That is Sunday worship for us. New moon, Sabbaths, and convocation. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. The church meeting is described as evil assemblies. Where sinful people come and participate. Verse 14, your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. I hope you will think about this as you are sitting here today. Serious issue about worship. God wants us to worship in a certain way. The Father seeks those who worship God in spirit and in truth. They have become a burden to me, the worship. Itself is something that God cannot bear. I am weary of bearing them. Now, this is also you find in the New Testament. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And the church was coming together and some people were eating and getting drunk. Other poor people, they had nothing to eat. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 17 and following. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Now, I must say, your meetings do more harm to you than good to you. I mean, we come to the presence of God to receive blessing from God that we may be blessed in our hearts We come with fear and we must go out with comfort and strength and so on. But here, St. Paul says, as Isaiah says, that your worship do more harm than good. And the idea is what? Stay away from the church. Please don't show up in the church. Unless what? We repent and we'll come to that pretty soon. But what about our prayer? Prayer of these sinful people. Here it is, verse 15. When you spread out your hands in prayer, he says, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. So here it is, when you are praying and worshiping, he closes his eyes and puts his fingers, so to speak, into his ears. In other words, instead of God lifting up his countenance and blessing you, he withdraws from a sinful people who treat him with contempt and flout his authority. So that you can pray all you want, but there is no answer. God refuses to answer when our hearts are not right. And so 
Look at uh, therefore God is going to pour out his judgment and it is verse 28 but rebels and sinners will both be broken. And these things have take happened literally when you study uh, the history of Judah and Israel. But rebels and sinners will both be broken. And those who forsake the Lord will perish, the Lord of the covenant. You will be ashamed because of the sacred oaks in which you have delighted. They were doing idolatrous practices under every green tree. You will be disgraced because of the gardens that you have chosen to commit their sinful activity. You'll be like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. You can have all the money, you can live in big homes, great mansions, but your life is described as a garden without what? Water. Where a, a true child of God is like a tree planted by the streams of water. Yields fruit in its season. Leaves shall not wither. Whatsoever he does shall prosper. But the opposite is going to happen to those who treat this covenant Lord with contempt. Described here as a garden without water. In other words, a person without the Holy Ghost. There is a river that makes glad the city of God. A child of God is to be nourished by the Holy Spirit. But here a believer abandoned by the spirit of the living God, broken down, fruitless, fading leaves. The mighty man will become tinder. You see, the mighty man who used his God-given might to disobey God and treat him with disrespect will become tinder and his work a spark, in other words, burned up and destroyed. Both will burn together, the man and his work. Literally happened these things, with no one to quench the fire. And so this is speaking about judgment and hell. It is the idea of hell. And of course, if you read the prophecy of Isaiah, it ends with hell too. Now, in this context of this serious allegation, a serious case against people of God, there is also uh, a message of mercy and a message of grace, which you find in verse 9. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors. Notice the name of uh, the first son of Isaiah is called hmm, Shi'ar Yashub. Shi'ar there means a remnant. A few shall repent and return. So here, that is by God's own covenant faithfulness, there will be some people who will love the Lord. Notice that unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom, we would have been like Gomorrah. Total destruction would have taken place, but God mercy, because of God's mercy, there shall be what? A few people called what? A remnant. 
And so you see the outer circle are people who are unbelievers of the whole world. And the inner circle are church people. They are historically chosen, but they remain what? Unbelievers and stubborn and disobedient. They come together for worship, but it is nausea to God. They will not listen to God. They will treat God's word with contempt. And they will grow up. They become tall only to turn their back upon God and not remember God anymore. And then in the center, there is that's the elect. You can call it Shi'ar Jashub, a remnant. They are not many, they are few. Many will go the broad way, few will go the narrow way that leads to life. And so this is by sheer divine mercy. It says in verse 9, unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors. God is going to come in his judgment, but there will be a few who will love God, who will love his word who love righteousness, who will repent, who will believe, who will come to him, and so on. Or turn to verse 26 and 27. I will restore your judges as in days of old, your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. There will be a few. Now, take a look at verse 16. In the midst of this charge, God still offers a word of mercy and grace in the midst of it to these terrible sinners who are sick from to the top of the head to the sole of the feet. Sick, rebellious, sinful, iniquitous, corrupt, evil. Totally depraved. And yet, listen to this. Wash and make yourselves clean. See, what is the problem? It is the moral filth and the guilt and the sin. God says, wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. See, that which separates them from God is the iniquity, the guilt, the sin, the evil. The corruption. Get rid of it. Take it out. Stop doing wrong. Stop it completely. Stop doing wrong. St. Paul quotes this in Ephesians. Stop doing wrong. He who stole let him steal no longer. The idea comes from here. Stop doing wrong. And what else? Learn to do right. By listening to the word of God, it tells you what is right. And what else? Seek justice. Justice means God's order. God's way of doing things. That's what justice is. In other words, show covenant faithfulness. And then look at verse 18. This is the great invitation right here in this chapter that speaks about all our sin. And yet... There is a light shining. Come now. That's an imperative. That's a command. And whose command is it? Not just Isaiah's. 
Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, the Lord of the covenant. And in the Hebrew, says the Lord means he is keep on saying that. He continually is saying that. Come, come. And the call is going out to wicked, terrible people. Come, come, come now. Let us reason together. Now, that doesn't mean let us reason together uh, based on some third standard. Reason together means believing what God says. He is the author of reason. He is the truth. Come on. Come on. Let's reason together. And see whether what I am saying is true about you or not. Of course, what he is saying about them is true. But come on. Let us reason together. And now this profound, gracious promise. It is a promise. Though your sins are like scarlet. That means blood guiltiness. You are murderers. And you see the same idea in Acts chapter 2. Saint Peter uh, preached the sermon and those who crucified Christ cried out, What must we do? And the answer is, Well, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. That's an amazing statement. That you are full of guilt. You're murderers. But come... That is faith. You see, the invitation is given, and faith in this God means you come. And there is a promise. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. What does that mean? It means they will become non-existent. The guilt in its entirety will be instantly taken away. Remember Sunday I said this live cold touched the mouth of Isaiah. He himself was unclean. And the interpretation comes from God. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned. Instantly. Isn't that a profound statement? Of course, the question must be asked, on what basis are you going to do it? And we will come to that in Isaiah 53. The basis is the basis of Jesus Christ, a Messiah, a child, a son, Emmanuel, God, becoming man. The basis is he took upon himself our sin and our guilt. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his Wounds, we are healed. So what he's speaking here, come and I will effect complete cleansing and immediate justification. No matter what your problem is. What a glorious promise. Extended to people who were sick, morally corrupt. Worse than brute beasts. God says that's all right. Come. And everyone who comes. Will experience justification. And complete cleansing. Of their sins. So that you can now pray. And you can now worship. And now you can rejoice. And God will accept it. And so when you open the New Testament. You come to Matthew chapter 11. And there is the invitation. 
Come unto me. Come unto me. Here is the one. Come unto me. All those who are weary and heavy laden, weary of sin, weary of guilt, weary of iniquity, the prodigals of the world, weary of it. He says, who are come. And he says, I'll give you rest. That's justification. Instant wiping out of all your sins. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, so you can take a glance at it. This will come clearer and clearer as we study the Bible. Isaiah, Isaiah 43, verse 25. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. Notice, for my own sake. That's why it is grace. Irresistible grace. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and what? And remember your sins no more. That's a promise. Come now, let us reason together. Or look at chapter 44 and verse 22. I have swept away your offenses like a cloud. Your sins like the morning mist return to me. Amazing, isn't it? And I'm always fascinated with it. Amazing grace, how sweet the song. That saved a wretch like me. And there are people who are sinful here sitting. Don't tell me that you are not. Please never measure yourself according to your own rule and standard and scale. Oh, every time you do it, you come out fine. But God says you are sick from the sole of your head to the sole of your feet. Rebellion, deliberate flouting of God's law, sin, missing God's goal and mark for your life, iniquity, perversion, twisting of God's righteousness, righteous standard into our own way, perversion, and all that. Sick, corrupt, no soundness, devastation, garden without water, fearful, anxious, confused. But all these people, blind, they all are invited. Come. Come. You shall be white as snow. And who is speaking? Says the Lord. Says the Lord. For mere coming. It will be done for you. And who is doing it? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came into this world. He took all our sins upon himself and he was punished in our place. So he is just and justifier of those who believe in him. Maybe you were in the church, you were baptized, you were doing all that and yet you became a backslider. You used to reverence the word of God and, and listen to the preachers and, uh, with great respect. And the word of God came into your heart and ministered to you. Now you became hardened. It makes no sense even though you come, you come for the worse. It may be you are taking Holy Communion regularly, but nobody is speaking to you. 
No ministry is coming to you. There is a withdrawal of God. God's eyes are closed and God's ears are plugged up. You are not hearing that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and so on. You are judging yourself according to your own standard and you don't see any stain, any blood guiltiness, nothing. No problem at all. I don't know what this man is talking about. My wife said I am fine. My kids said I am fine. I am fine. Oh, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. We justify ourselves in our own sight. Well, we all need another to justify us, to forgive us, to cleanse us, to heal us. And he is here. He is calling you. Come, it says, come. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the land. There will be blessing. If you are willing and obedient, you will stay in the land. So there you have the gracious offer. Those who want to and ask God to help you. And ask God to help you. We are sinners in his sight. You see, he is the holy one. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Holy, holy, holy. He is not man. Give yourself to God totally, completely. Stop the evil you are doing. Learn to do right. Seek justice. That is God's order of things. Wash yourself. Take away the guilt from my presence. And all of a sudden, God will hear your prayers. And God will bless you. Heavenly Father, we pray that you bless each one. And I pray even for those who are stubborn, arrogant, and the word of God is not going into them. Oh God, have mercy upon that person or persons, man or woman. Have mercy, O God, because your sure judgment is pronounced upon those who will not respond to your gracious offer in Jesus Christ. Grand repentance to all people, O God. And may all your people be blessed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio presenting this message from the Bible series on the book of Isaiah. Come back soon for more Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.